What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, coming to you on Friday, July 23rd, following a Cardinals loss in Cincinnati. Another heartbreaker as the Cardinals had a lead in this game. Bullpen comes into the game, couldn't hold it, and they lose to the Reds 6-5. to And it's not that the entire bullpen was bad tonight. Because Wade LeBlanc only went four innings. We've talked about wondering what we were going to see from him. Has had a few starts since joining the Cardinals rotation. Four, I believe, prior to tonight. And in each of them, he kept the Cardinals in the game. He gave them a chance. Even if he doesn't get through five innings. Even if he's not on his best stuff, necessarily. So far, he had kept the Cardinals in each of his outings. And today was the same thing. Gave up. Three earned runs, only went four innings, and allowed eight hits, so it could have been a lot worse. LeBlanc able to strand his share of runners to prevent further damage in that start, but it was enough to keep the Cardinals in the game. It wasn't, and I I hate to harp on Carlos Martinez, but to continue to use him as the example of what Wade LeBlanc has not done, and that's had an individual outing where he's given up six runs, eight runs, ten runs, like we saw once from Carlos Martinez. That hasn't happened. So anytime you're at least keeping it relatively close, and that definitely requires participation on the offensive side as well, you can't complain too much. And so he goes four innings, leaves trailing 3-2, to two, but the Cardinals come up with three runs in the sixth. They did some of their early scoring thanks to some homers. Got it going with Paul Goldschmidt. In the first inning, Harrison Bader got one of his own in the second. Finally, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Cardinals gifts on Twitter. You probably are. He runs the Bombs Away game where you got to predict who's going to homer in each opening game of a series. And I finally got on the board with Harrison Bader. I thought he's been swinging the bat well lately and figured he might be able to parlay that into a dinger tonight at Great American Ballpark. And sure enough, another solid offensive showing by Harrison Bader, who continues to look really good in all facets for the Cardinals as of late. He goes two for three tonight, scores a couple of runs, had the homer for the RBI, and he also took a walk. So on base three more times, raising the OPS to 832. After another tough night for Tyler O'Neill, his OPS is down to 841, so just nine points behind from Harrison Bader taking over as the top spot on the Cardinals in OPS. You also have Goldschmidt and Arenado both narrowly above the 800 mark as well. Both of them getting things done tonight. Arenado, one for four, also took a walk. And we mentioned Goldschmidt's homer. He was on base three times as well. Two for four, had the dinger, and took a walk as well. Cardinals collectively had a lot of strikeouts tonight as an offense, striking out a grand total of 13 times. And the left-on-base numbers weren't necessarily pretty either. But I felt like what we were going to do in this podcast, because it is a Friday night, and full disclosure, I there's a lot of chatter on Twitter tonight. And I think ever since a couple of days ago when Mike Schilt kind of went off a little bit on Zoom, didn't like a question that he received asking about the pitching. And so people are becoming a little bit more aware of what that world looks like. And so I wanted to dive in a little bit tonight. First of all, to explain that I was not going to be involved in the Zooms tonight. I went to dinner. I didn't watch the entire game on a Friday night. Listened to most of it and watched portions of it as it was coming along but I was following throughout but not to the extent that I, you know this is just a little inside baseball and the zoom thing 
is the only reason this becomes a conversation anyway. But typically in past years, if you're not on a road trip covering the team, ending up in the manager's office to discuss what happened in the game, you're not asking questions of the manager. And so certainly I'm not going to put myself in a position where I was not locked in on the game to then jump in and ask a question. However, there was a particular moment in this game, and I even tweeted out about it, didn't get a whole lot of conversation with others on it at the moment that it occurred. I was actually out on a jog slash walk with my wife, but listening to the game on the MLB app, which kept crashing, so then I had to pull up my other radio app that I use to listen to Cardinals games. But I was I mentioned this at the time because I thought, man, that is interesting. And I'm curious what people might think about it. Talking about the double switch that took place in the fifth inning, it was the point at which Justin Miller relieved Andrew Miller for the Cardinals. And at that moment, they brought Edmundo Sosa into the game, batting in the pitcher's spot in the nine hole, replacing Paul DeYoung at shortstop, who left the game, the number five batter. And so the pitcher spot would then be in the five hole. And as that was happening, I thought, that's just strange to me, because if you're going to make the move with the nine hole coming up, obviously before the number five spot, because DeYoung had recently made, I don't know if it was the last out, but one of the last outs. I guess if I'm going to talk about it at length, I might as well make sure I have it picture perfect. Yes, DeYoung had made the, the prior out to end the top of the fifth inning. So he was the last guy to bat. And they make that change to where you're figuring at that point in time anyway, you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher spot when it comes up. You're going to go six, seven, eight in that inning. And if anybody reaches, it'll be the pitcher spot. And you'll have somebody else that isn't a relief pitcher batting in that spot, regardless of whether you go double switch or you just wait, see how it plays out and go with a pinch hitter. And at the time I thought, man, I, to me, the, the double switch gets all a lot of conversation talking about people that prefer the National League style of play because of the strategy that goes into it. And one element of that strategy is that you see the double switch as a regular part of the NL game compared to what you would see in the American League where you have a designated hitter. and You don't have to worry about when the pitcher comes out of a game and where they are in the lineup. It's just irrelevant. You can make pitching changes as you please, and there's no consequences on the other side for where you are in the batting order. But in the National League, we get to see these moments play out. And tonight, it ends up having a big impact because Adam Wainwright, Cardinals trailing 6-5 to five in the ninth inning. You've got two outs and you're down to your last batter and out comes Adam Wainwright to take the at-bat. And people are rightfully like, what in the world is going on? Cardinals still had Yadier Molina on the bench at that point. And so, naturally, people are wondering why that took place. I believe it was Zach Silver asked Mike Schild about it after the game because, like I said, I wasn't going to be getting involved in that, but I, I knew somebody would, would ask because that's a, a natural question to wonder about when, when a starting pitcher game's on the line and you've got a starting pitcher taking that last at-bat. And so the question was asked, and Mike Schild said, no, this was nothing like Yachty or Molina just needed a day off, and so we wanted to honor that. That would have been ridiculous. That would have been very, very questionable. Because it's one at bat and the game's on the line, you hit a homer and you've suddenly tied it and changed the trajectory. And all due respect to Adam Wainwright as a hitter, but he's not going to give you the same chances at hitting one out the way Yachty or Molina could, especially Great American Ballpark has a history there for Yachty being able to do some some big things offensively against the Reds. Yachty, we've talked about on the podcast, probably due for a day off and they finally give it to him 
in this one, but it ends up being Wainwright that takes it at bat. And so people wondering why that is. Well, the answer coming from the question asked of the Cardinals manager was that Yachty's neck stiffened up on him as he was down in the in the cage preparing, doing whatever prep work necessary to take an at-bat late in the game. He was getting ready to do that. Now, exactly at what point did the Cardinals realize that? I, certainly it wasn't in the fifth inning, probably closer to seventh, eighth, whenever it was. That's when it happens, and Mike Schilt thereafter has to realize, yeah, I don't have Yachty or Molina available. But by that point, the train had already left the station, so to speak. The Cardinals were down this road of aggressively deploying the bench, and there basically is no turning back from that once you go to the double switch when the Cardinals do. When Mike Schilt makes that move to bring in Edmundo Sosa in the fifth inning, it sets off a chain of events that, because of Yadier Molina's injury, does come back to bite the Cardinals a little bit. Now, if Yadi is healthy and, and can take that at bat and pops out or strikes out or whatever, grounds out to the shortstop, you know, you at least you did it with your best punch that you could offer and you lose the game and the story is the bullpen blowing it late, which we can get into a little bit. But I wanted to spend some time on this in particular because when I tweeted out, again, that's the only reason I was checking out the Zoom. I wanted to see what the explanation for that was. I knew the question would be asked. And when it was, I wanted to share out the information. And upon doing that, my replies on Twitter, at bshafer12, kind of took me by surprise. Multiple people using the word grit, stating that Yachty is gritless, he doesn't have grit, that's not the mark of a true team leader, etc., etc. And I tweeted out, I said, some of the replies here are sending me. I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's really surprising to me. And then more people kind of piled on and chimed in. And I wasn't picking on the guy who I retweeted at that point, but it was just one of a cacophony of replies that I was receiving that I was just like, man, this is so strange. And what I said was, tell me, it's like the TikTok meme. I guess it comes from TikTok. Tell me you've never dealt with neck slash back trouble without actually telling me you've never dealt with neck or back trouble. Because let me tell you, I'm someone who I not recurring, haven't had it happen a lot, but it's happened a couple of times and once more recently where when it locks up on you, it that's just it. You know, you might be okay by the next day or two days later, but in that moment, it can be excruciating. And so I'm not going to sit there and question, you know, maybe I'm a, I'm a buffoon for that. Maybe it was a, a clever ruse and there was something sinister going on. I am going to lean toward, no, that's probably not the case. If Yadier Molina could have been there to take a net bat for the team, I think he would have done so. And it's when it's a neck or a back, it's all interconnected there. That's not a pleasant feeling. And even if the guy says, no, yeah, I can grit through it, you're not going to get his best in that situation if he's locked up. And so Yadi doesn't take the at bat. At that point, Mike Schultz like, well, somebody's got to head up there. Wainwright, you know, he's going to answer the bell and give it his best shot and actually worked a full count and, and, and gave it a go. Didn't work out, but credit to him for, you know, stepping in and trying to get the job done, see if he can't steal an extra opportunity for his team. But without Yachty in that situation, that's kind of what you're left with because of the way they used the bench earlier on. So basically the way it breaks down is the Cardinals in the inning where Edmundo Sosa took the at-bat in the, in the nine hole, would have been the top of the sixth. The Cardinals were trailing 3-2 entering that inning. They leave that inning with a 5-3 lead. 
They scored three runs. Bader had a double. Edmund had a base hit as well to move Bader up. Kisner got it done with the ground rule double to score two runs, which put the Cardinals in the lead. And then Mundo Sosa comes through with a base hit that advances Kisner and gets Dylan Carlson out there to deliver the sacrifice fly that gives the Cardinals their fifth run. So Sosa takes that at bat in the nine hole because he had been double switched in the inning previously. It pans out because he gets the base hit that continues the inning and gets the Cardinals an extra run of insurance, which ultimately didn't amount to much because the bullpen was unable to hold up. But at the point in time, you're thinking, okay, good move. Everything pans out. The right guy was up to bat. Edmundo Sosa comes through, and you've heard me talk about him defensively, that I I trust what he does out there, and, and he ends up playing the rest of the game at shortstop for DeYoung because of the double switch. And so you're like, yeah, you didn't really lose anything defensively at shortstop. In fact, you might have gotten a little better given – what we've seen from Edmundo Sosa in recent days to take nothing away from Paul DeYoung. He does a fine job there, but Sosa, I think, adds a little bit of an extra element. So you're not worried about it from a defensive point of view, is all I'm saying with the move from DeYoung to Sosa. But what does stick in your mind a little bit in a close game, you know immediately you've got half a game to go, essentially, and your number five hitter is double switched out of the game. And so that's going to bring up the situation all the more frequently, which brings me back to my initial question that I had tweeted out wondering why you want the pitcher spot in the five hole instead of just, and sometimes there's alternate explanations for this and there's a lot of reasons for doing it. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation because on Twitter, a lot of it was cut and dried. Schultz a dummy. Why was he, why did he do this? You have to know that, you know, you're going to be short on the bench and end up with a, a pitcher batting with the game on the line in the ninth. Like, everybody wanted Mike Schilt to be able to anticipate this. And so I wanted to walk it through because... I, Maybe, and, and sometimes people, I think, hear and they, they, they blame it on the media and they say the media doesn't know what they're talking about. Schilt will say one thing and everybody just believes him and that's why there's soft media. And I don't really care about all that. Anybody can say what they want. But I thought this would be a good opportunity because I was someone thinking kind of the exact same thing that, not about the media, but about the idea that, yeah, this double switch is a little curious to me. And so I tweeted it out in the moment. Like, I wasn't covering the game tonight. I wasn't I wasn't involved in it on that level, but I was still listening. I was keeping up, and I thought maybe Twitter could have an idea for me, something that maybe I had not considered, and I thought, good opportunity for baseball talk. I'm interested to see what people have to say. And so I said, someone smarter than me break this process down. If Miller, talking about Justin Miller, who had come in with the double switch, is only going to finish the previous inning and no more, why do the double switch? Sosa could have pinch hit all the same, and now you wouldn't have the pitcher batting fifth. Double switch actually makes the pitcher spot come up sooner, not later. And that's the one thing about the double switch that I think often it gets a little bit confusing because Mike Buffini was a guy who used the double switch a lot and would do this pretty often where by double switching, you actually bring the pitcher's spot into play the next time earlier than you otherwise would have because Let's just assume pitchers batting ninth, we know it's going to be somebody else batting there. It's not going to be a relief pitcher. And so if you just pinch hit, the pitcher spot stays at nine. And instead of going one, two, three, four, five, now the pitcher's up again at five, you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. A whole nother trip through the batting order until you have to worry about who's going to bat for the pitcher the next time. And it wasn't that I made this comment on Twitter until the next inning began until 
I saw and it was confirmed that Genesis Cabrera came out to begin the sixth inning. And the reason for that is because I tweeted this out and then immediately followed it up by saying, the answer might be that Justin Miller continues pitching if the Cardinals don't take the lead. Like, if the Cardinals don't score those three runs, Justin Miller only faced one batter and got that one out to finish up the previous inning, and the Cardinals are trailing 3-2. to two. Once they score the three runs, it maybe changes the way Mike Schilt wants to approach the next inning from a from a pitching standpoint. So he goes to Cabrera, now one of your guys that you typically see out there with a lead. If the Cardinals had been trailing, you probably see Justin Miller come out to pitch the sixth because he didn't need to expend very much energy just getting that one out to end the fifth. And when you don't get a starter through five, the, that kind of creates a backfill situation in your bullpen where you might need to ask a little bit more of guys to be able to traverse the rest of the game. But when the Cardinals take that lead, it switches the calculus from Mike Schilt to say, okay, we don't need Justin Miller to, to go any further. We don't need him to cover that next inning. Let's go for the win. And we're going to put in Hennessy Cabrera because he's our, our best option for this inning where we're going to try to revert to using our top bullpen arms that are available to us for the rest of this night. And that way, hopefully, we're able to come away with a win. Unfortunately, at the end of the game, when the Cardinals go with Helsley and Gallegos, two of their kind of premier names, they don't get the job done and the Cardinals end up losing. And that that can happen. Like, we've talked about how locked down the Cardinals' top relievers are, and Helsley has started to kind of elevate his name into that status as the number four, I would say, in the bullpen behind Gallegos, behind Reyes, and behind Genesis Cabrera. Helsley's kind of that next guy in the, the circle of trust, where it's a tie game or you've got a lead, and you've got more innings to cover than you wish because the starter didn't go very long, That's that can that can be Helsley time. That's somebody that you, you begin to trust a little bit more. Tonight, it obviously doesn't go your way. He gives up three hits and two runs. Doesn't walk anybody, but, you know, the, the, the hits come back to bite you, and they, they do when you allow too many base hits. But as it pertains to the conversation surrounding the double switch, I just wanted to mention that because we're trying to explore why the manager does what he does, which maybe can shed some light for people on Twitter who were very upset about the way it all broke down. And again, it's a weird sight to see Adam Wainwright batting at the end of the game, but I think you can trace it all the way back to certainly a combination of factors that I wanted to go over, present what I am aware of in in consulting people, asking about it on Twitter. Derek Gould was helpful in sharing his thought process, and so I can tell you about the exchange he and I had on Twitter, and then you can kind of decide for yourself if that makes any sense or if you're still angry about it. And, you know, certainly be angry that the Cardinals lost this game. But I think the double switch situation is so fascinating because it could have gone one of several directions. The way it goes for the Cardinals here is that Cabrera comes in to pitch and has like a five-pitch inning in, in the six. He does a tremendous job to where you wouldn't hesitate to have him come back out for the seventh. I mean, yes, he's pitched a lot as of late, but you've still got three innings to cover, and he had uh, virtually lights out five-pitch inning. There's no reason that you wouldn't have him go for the seventh inning. But the reason that they didn't is because his spot came up in the batting order, and you had to pinch it for him. At that point, I know he looked great on the mound, but nobody, not one person, who at the end of the game was wondering why Wainwright batted and was wondering why the double switch and all these things. Nobody would have said in that moment, yeah, let Cabrera bat for himself so that he can continue to pitch. 
nobody would say that. You say, look, you got to go for the the pinch hitter. You're not going to re- let a reliever bat for himself. And so the situation is what it is. Oh, the pitcher spot's coming up. Pinch it for him. But that's my whole point. That would not have happened if the pitcher spot was still in the nine hole. Cabrera could have pitched another inning. Then you could have pinched it the, the next time the spot came up and probably the inning after, and it would have been just fine. And you would have gotten him through the seventh and the way he looked in the sixth, probably successfully so. And it would have been valuable too from a handedness standpoint because you, you have the platoon split advantage when Joey Votto was one of the hitters that did some damage against Helsley that next inning. I had someone at that point ask me why Cabrera before Helsley because they noticed that Joey Votto's up in that inning, a left-handed batter, and he gets it done against the Cardinals reliever. And so it's like, man, couldn't they have saved Cabrera for that spot? Well, the Reds, they've got a good lineup. They've got another dangerous guy who bats from the left side, and it was Jesse Winker who's got a higher OPS, more home runs, all that than Joey Votto this season. And so Henesis Cabrera was brought in to face him in the previous inning. And you might have gotten an opportunity to see Henesis Cabrera against Votto as well, but he had to be pinch hit for, and so he was no longer in the game. Joey Votto ends up getting a base hit that continued that inning and led to the Eugenio Suarez double that drove in one of the runs, with the other one then coming on a Ryan Helsley wild pitch to plate the other one, tie the game at 5-5. to So you can see how the chain of events unfolds there to prevent Henesis Cabrera from being able to pitch that seventh inning. What's the reason? His spot came up in the batting order, so you had to pinch hit for him. Why was his spot up in the batting order? Because the Cardinals did the double switch back in the fifth inning. And at that point, they had already pinch hit Jose Rondon, so they knew he was burned. And you know that when that fifth spot in the order eventually comes up, as it did following Cabrera's inning, that you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher in that spot. Maybe you don't anticipate it coming up as quickly as it did because the Cardinals end up having that three-run rally. You're thinking Justin Miller's going to be pitching the sixth anyway. Maybe Henesis Cabrera for the seventh. Who knows exactly the way it ends up breaking down. But when you take that lead, certainly you know you're going to have that fifth spot come up all the more quickly and that you're not going to let a relief pitcher bat for himself. And so that means you're going to have to burn Matt Carpenter in that spot. And you used Edmundo Sosa to facilitate the double switch by bringing him in as the shortstop and then burning Paul DeYoung in the process. So that leaves you at that point pretty early in the ballgame down to just Yadier Molina among the position players on the Cardinals bench. So that's as of the seventh inning, top of the seventh inning when Matt Carpenter pinch hits you know you don't have anybody else to go to. But you figure at that point, okay, you're going to make it through the lineup one more time. Will the spot come up again? Well, yeah, the number five spot did come up again. It usually finds its way around, and it came up as the last batter in the ninth inning, and that's where Wainwright came into the game. And again, if Yadier Molina doesn't have the situation where his neck locks up on you, it doesn't come back to bite the Cardinals and that he at least gets a chance to take that at bat and win or lose, you expended your bench, you maximized it, and you used up everybody. But it was just strange to me to invite the pitcher spot to come up all the more quickly. And so that's why I tweeted it out and asked the question because I was curious if anybody else was seeing things my way. A couple of people did say, yeah, you know, my assumption is it would have been Justin Miller pitching that next inning, and that's probably why it went the way that it did. And I agree with that. Totally understand that. In the way I was viewing this at the time, I thought I was saying it at the moment, which I was. I was thinking about this 
right as the double switch was announced and I was listening to it on the radio. But where I did have the benefit of hindsight was waiting until I found out in the sixth inning which direction the Cardinals were going to go at pitcher. Once they didn't leave Justin Miller in, I thought, okay, that's where it's interesting because if he doesn't come in to pitch that next inning, you didn't have really any reason to do the double switch. Like you could have waited in order to figure out, okay, say that nine spot does come up. You know, you don't have Edmundo Sosa at shortstop for that final out of the previous inning, but you do have DeYoung, and DeYoung, the Cardinals believe, is is just as good and has has been a finalist as a gold glover uh, in, in those votings at shortstop before in the National League. So I don't think that's a major consideration to this, but obviously, for some reason, they go that direction for the defensive purposes as well because you do get DeYoung off the, the shortstop position and Sosa in there for the remainder of the game. But to do it right then also means you end up locking in Sosa as your nine-hole batter for the upcoming inning due up fourth in that next frame. If you just waited out, seven, eight, nine, or pardon me, six, seven, eight would bat, and then you would get to decide who should bat in that spot. In my assumption, just because I had seen the way it played out already, I said Sosa could have batted either way. If that's your guy, if that's who you wanted, you totally could have done that and to me, it's difficult to say anything would have changed. Like, why would it have gone any differently? It's like you're getting into the butterfly effect at that point. But if Sosa was going to take the at-bat, I have just as much reason to believe that he would have gotten the hit as a pinch hitter rather than just getting his feet on the dirt as a defender the previous inning and knowing he's going to take that at-bat. Where it maybe changes a little bit is the way a pitcher would approach Kisner with the pitcher spot on deck not knowing for sure who's going to take that at-bat because it could have been that the Cardinals would have sent uh, Justin Miller out there to just stand and kind of hide their intentions until such time that they needed to announce a pinch hitter, and then they whoever has, is actually going to take the at-bat would come out of the dugout, and you would see it. The Reds had a right-handed pitcher on the mound, Garcia, and so, and this is where Derek Gould had the conversation, I he because somebody else had asked him on Twitter about the double switch, and Derek defended the move, or, or explained the move, saying the double switch that put Sosa into the ninth spot where he singled as part of the go-ahead rally and for a moment there had a role in the go-ahead run. Are we talking about the same double switch? And so I asked, if Sosa pinch hits there instead of entering the double switch, he still bats, but the pitcher spot remains nine instead of five. And obviously DeYoung in that case would stay at shortstop defensively, but does the team consider that a downgrade at shortstop compared to Sosa worth you know, is it worth having the pitcher spot coming up again sooner rather than just leaving the pitcher spot ninth? That was my thought process the entire time. But Derek's point is that off the bench, you assume he ends up getting the the same pinch hit opportunity or that the pitcher Garcia would stay in the game for that spot rather than bring somebody else in. It's likely that Matt Carpenter would come in that spot to face Garcia if you knew you had runners on base as they, they did. So they would have had the opportunity before Sosa was announced or before any of that happened with the nine hole batter up to say, all right, we've now got the benefit of having seen what took place previously in the sixth inning, which was a Harrison Bader double, Tommy Edmond single, Andrew Kisner ground rule double. And then you've got Andrew Kisner on second base in that situation with an opportunity to pile on. And then you'd probably go to Matt Carpenter in that spot, right? If it's against a right-handed pitcher, I would agree with that being the case. And that's where I was a little bit, under the spell of already having the benefit of seeing how the Sosa at-bat played out, whether 
in hindsight, we can say, oh, Sosa should have batted against Edgar Garcia because he got a hit against him. I mean, that's great, but we didn't know he was going to do that until it happened. And knowing the way Mike Schilt, any manager would would manage that situation, given the platoon split situation, you'd bring in Matt Carpenter and then you'd take your chances. How are they going to handle it from a pitching standpoint? They probably try to find a lefty in their bullpen to face Carpenter. Now, could Mike Schilt, and again, we're, we're delving so deep into the hypothetical, if they had not pinch hit, could Mike Schilt say, no, I'm going to go with Sosa, because clearly he was comfortable having Sosa face Edgar Garcia, or whichever right-hander the Reds presumably brought out of their bullpen for that inning that was let off by Harrison Bader. Clearly, Schilt knew that an at-bat for Edmundo Sosa was coming very soon, and once the Cardinals got one guy on in that inning, it was Sosa they were locked into. And so you could make the argument, though, that it may have gone differently with the butterfly effect that Sosa may not have even gotten that at bat. And so I'll concede that, that certainly if Edgar Garcia was still the pitcher, whether it's right or wrong, you know, whether it would have improved the outcome or made it worse, that's impossible to tell. But I would say it's fair to surmise that Matt Carpenter probably would have gotten the at bat in that spot. And therefore he's not end up in the next inning batting in the five hole because Paul DeYoung is still in the five hole and Edmundo Sosa hasn't entered the game which tells me that maybe part of that planning was to get him in the game defensively because they liked what he's been able to do in recent days on that side of the ball as well. So while I saw a lot of people questioning the double switch and I was one of them, I did just want to offer the alternative viewpoint that the double switch, because of the way it broke down, again, in an alternative universe, it may have gone just as well, perhaps even better. But because of the way it broke down, you do wonder whether or not the Cardinals would have scored as many runs as they did during that rally, of which Edmundo Sosa, the way it broke down, was a part. However, from a bench standpoint, and from a standpoint of lining up your pitching in a little bit of a more favorable fashion, by by going that way, you could have then had Genesis Cabrera pitch two innings. Maybe he gets to face Joey Votto and gets him out, and that changes the structure and the complexion of the following inning in which the Reds score two of their runs, and then maybe they don't score off of Giovanni Gallegos in the eighth inning. Perhaps they still score off of him, but it's not as damaging because you're able to keep the lead in that situation and figure things out somehow when you get to the ninth inning because you got that little extra cushion from the extra inning of Genesis Cabrera. That's assuming a lot, though. It's assuming that Genesis Cabrera pitches another solid inning. It's assuming that he was available for more than one inning tonight. You know, there's a lot that goes into this. And so when we question a manager and when we want to get on the soapbox and be angry about certain decisions, I'm totally on board for evaluating those moves and calling them out when I see fit. And and here's a a night where I question something and I just wanted to explore the entire depth of what that move was and what it looked like. And then you can decide afterwards whether you agree or disagree and think it was the right move. I still think it's a, a situation where they, they definitely, you know, where they've already used one guy on their bench and they're not playing with as deep of a bench as maybe they otherwise would with a, a 26-man roster because I think they've got an extra reliever, which a lot of teams probably do. But you know what the situation on your bench is. You've already burned Jose Rondon. And the fact that you're digging that deep in, going with a double switch, which automatically means, even if it doesn't happen in the next inning, it's going to bring the pitcher spot up sooner, which means you have to use a pinch hitter sooner, which means you're inviting the possibility. Like, in a baseball game, the pitcher bats ninth because that spot's not going to come up as often over the course of a game. You know your leadoff guy is going to get four at-bats, and the more hits you get, 
the number two guy, three guy, four guy, those guys are going to get more at-bats as the game goes along. Well, as it turns out, the number five hole in the Cardinals order tonight was the last guy to get that extra at-bat. I think that would have been the fifth plate appearance for that spot in the lineup. But just to give you an idea, that was the cutoff line. That's the guy, the last guy in the batting order that gets that extra time up at the plate. But the Cardinals, by doing that double switch, turn that spot into a pitcher, which then you, and, and to do that late in the game, it can work out and it, it doesn't really ever have an impact. But when you do it that early in the game, you know you're going to see that spot again at least once. And in this case, the Cardinals saw it again twice. And that kind of complicated things made made it a little bit of a sticky situation down the stretch. Again, the move facilitated the rally that, that actually gave the Cardinals the lead. And so I, I don't think it's entirely fair to say, you know, oh, it's the worst move I've ever seen. It's terrible. There's no redeeming qualities about it. I wanted to lay out all of the information, part of which was Edmundo Sosa does come through, takes that at bat. And again, you could say, well, the manager should have known Edmundo Sosa was good and would take a good at bat. And so he should have been the pinch hitter regardless. And that way we can, we can use the hindsight to say bad move. Part of that can be the fact that the bullpen comes into play where they blow the lead. You know, Ryan Helsley didn't have his best game. And then Giovanni Gallegos in the eighth inning was not quite as sharp as we normally see him. And so, you know, you end up having that situation. Now, part of that was a throwing error by Gallegos that contributed to an extra base runner being around for the inning where the Reds scored their go-ahead run on a sacrifice fly. Also not an ideal situation, but something that if it doesn't go that way, perhaps we're having a different conversation at the end of the game about who won the game for the Cardinals or who lost the game or why this happened and why it went down the way it did. That's just the nature of baseball. There are going to be a lot of small things that happen within a game and sometimes they can come up later on and come back to bite you and you might have to answer for why this or that sometimes though I think it can be valuable to recognize that we don't have all the information at the time we can take our best guesses and we can question things when they go down and that's what I was doing tonight and I'm still at the end of the day I'm not so sure that the double switch was the right move because you could say that, yeah, sure, maybe Matt Carpenter comes up and as the pinch hitter, as Derek suggested, he would have based on what we know about the way managers approach those situations historically. And, and that's probably what would have happened. And maybe Carpenter would have gotten the hit or maybe he would have walked and it would have passed the baton back to the top of the lineup. It's really hard to say how the rest of that inning would have unfolded. But at the end of the day, I just think it's really fascinating to take all these things into account and kind of recognize the minutia, I mean, the minutia of baseball is interesting to me. So I don't know if it is to people out there, but that's why I basically do tonight's podcast on the minutia of a double switch and the fallout of what takes place because of it. And I'm talking about the fallout in a positive and negative fashion. I mentioned the positive side that Sosa contributed to the rally. I mentioned the negative side, which it really isn't even a negative side that you say, okay, because of the rally, it changes the way we look at things. Go put Cabrera in there. That's that's great, and it works out, and he has a good sixth inning. But then your issue is, okay, there's going to be another inning to fill somewhere. First of all, the Cardinals, unfortunately, never got to it because they didn't need to pitch in the ninth because they'd already given up the lead. But that's something that you have to consider as well. And if Justin Miller's not pitching the sixth, somebody else somewhere has got to cover another inning. It could have been, potentially, in another universe, Hennessy Cabrera covering that sixth and then the seventh inning but because of the double switch his spot comes up 
and you kind of have to live with it at that point. And you also have to live with Ryan Helsley not having his best night. Gio Gallegos not having his best night. And that kind of leads to the result that the Cardinals saw in this one. Season's not over. It's just a loss. It happens. The Cardinals have been playing good baseball. Again, they're losing a game tonight by a pretty close margin. Could have seen a way certainly for them to have come out ahead in this one. We'll see whether Yadier Molina is back and ready to go by Saturday's game. I believe that'll be the Jake Woodford start, and so potential for fireworks there, even with Nick Castellanos not in the lineup. I saw a clip from the Reds that they tweeted out tonight where Joey Votto comes up to Castellanos in the dugout, does a little flex, and that was caught on camera, and they tweeted out. So that's clearly a reference. The Reds are aware and they remember what happened between the Cardinals and the Reds early in the season with Castellanos and Woodford. Woodford, though, was the specific pitcher that was involved in the infamous flex, the one that has been plastered in large banners hanging outside of Great American Ballpark. So could be some interesting storylines to unfold for Saturday's game up in Cincinnati. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys for listening, as always. Let me know what you think of the podcast. You can always send me a message on Twitter at bshafer12. My DMs remain open. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I think Spotify leaves room for that as well, Google Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. But as I was watching this game and listening to this game tonight, I knew I wasn't locked in on every single moment of it, but the double switch was fascinating to me. I think it ended up playing a really central role in the way the game unfolded, for better or worse. There are both sides to the equation, lots that went into it, and it was just really interesting to me the way you could see at every turn the way one thing led to another, good or bad, and ultimately it boils down to Cardinals' bullpen didn't get the job done, even without having to pitch that extra inning, but who knows the way the game might have gone with a little bit of a different set of maneuvers. So I think it's all really fascinating. Hopefully you do too. If not, you can yell at me, at Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Always appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!